KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, January 30th. Some flood victims are unable to return to their rented homes. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County was approved for state funding to assist with flood relief. Under the California Disaster Assistance Act, the county will receive financial assistance for the repair, restoration, or replacement of public property. The program also reimburses local governments for other costs incurred following a disaster event like a storm. County Supervisor Nora Vargas said the funds will help the county recover from and withstand future flooding emergencies. The Orange Trolley Line is not fully running yet due to damage from last week's storm. There's no service on the Orange Line between the Euclid Transit Center and the Lemon Grove Transit Center. Temporary bus shuttles are available between those two stops. MTF says passengers in East County traveling to downtown San Diego should take the green line to avoid delays. Other lines are serving all stations. Two other storms will be hitting San Diego this week and next. This Thursday, we'll see heavy rain and cold winds. Snow is possible above 5,000 feet. Alex Tardy is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service. He says there's a slight risk of flooding from Thursday's rain. So that would be river flooding, urban flooding, and small stream flooding. We've already mentioned the San Diego River going over 10 feet, so that's river flooding. Um, When we get closer, we may issue a flood watch for urban and small stream flooding. There will be some lingering precipitation on Friday. Next week's storm is also expected to have significant rainfall. The county and Cal Fire are offering free sandbags for residents ahead of the rain. Visit kpbs.org weather to learn more. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Last week's flash flood left nearly 100 families in National City unable to return to their rented homes. Reporter Katie Heisen spoke with a mother who says her future is uncertain. 
everything was destroyed. We have nothing. 26-year-old Jocelyn Lopez leans on crutches. She says she fractured her ankle trying to escape when the water suddenly filled her Highland Avenue apartment. Today, a red city notice is taped to the door. It reads, danger, unsafe, unlawful to occupy. The landlord sent some residents a letter terminating their lease. Mud marks a line on the walls a foot and a half high. Furniture, clothes, and baby shower decorations sit waterlogged. If you don't come from much like us, then you would understand how hard the situation is with very little stuff that we had, but very valuable to us. She sent four of the children in her care to live with family. She and her four-month-old are staying with her mother-in-law in in an apartment on the second floor. Lopez says many of the tenants have lived here for more than a decade. They can't afford to return if the landlord remodels and hikes the rent. It's like tearing up the family that we have built here for many, many, many years. Legal Aid Society of San Diego's Gil Vera says landlords are responsible to provide safe housing until repairs are done. They can only terminate the lease after the eviction has gone through the court, he says, unless the unit is fully destroyed. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. Three environmental groups are taking their challenge of the state's solar power rules to the California State Supreme Court. Environment reporter Eric Anderson says it's the latest appeal in a nine-month-long legal battle. The Center for Biological Diversity, the Environmental Working Group, and the San Diego-based Protect Our Communities Foundation are elevating their challenge to California's highest court. The first district court of appeal in San Francisco ruled the California Public Utilities Commission followed its mandate to review and revise the rules for net energy metering. Those rules, adopted last spring, slash the value of electricity produced by rooftop solar. The groups argue that regulators didn't follow the state utility code in adopting the changes. They argue the CPUC decision doesn't protect the growth of solar energy, doesn't fund solar in disadvantaged communities, and doesn't fully account for all rooftop solar benefits. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. A state program created to help first-time homebuyers with down payments We'll give out another $250 million in assistance this spring. CalMatters' Felicia Mallow has more on the relaunch of the state's Dream for All program. Last year, the program was just wildly popular, and all of the funds ran out in just 11 days. So this year, the state is making some changes to help the program reach more diverse homebuyers in different areas of the state. Two of the major changes that they're making uh, are a lottery system that will give homebuyers more time to learn about the program and submit their applications, and then a requirement that at least one borrower be a first-generation homebuyer, which means that their parents didn't own a home or that they grew up in the foster care system. That's CalMatters' Felicia Mello. The state will start accepting new Dream for All applications this April. A breakthrough in an ongoing contract dispute with academic workers and the University of California. Education reporter M.G. Perez says it means an overdue pay raise for graduate student researchers. 
They are members of the UAW 2865, who went on strike against the University of California in November 2022. That strike eventually led to a new contract that included a set minimum amount of paid hours for graduate student researchers that could not be changed by their supervisors. Now the UC has agreed to begin the new pay practice when the spring quarter starts in March without negotiating retroactive pay. Maya Gostilla is the union's head steward. Contract enforcement really is a process you have to iterate on over and over. And every time you get a win, you get stronger and it's, it's easier to enforce things in the future. KPBS reached out to the UC for comment and we are awaiting a reply. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. For the first time, California law is set to protect elementary school students' right to recess. Reporter Corey Suzuki says, these changes come at a critical time for young Californians. Do you want to sit here and listen to the interview? We're talking about playing with you. Do you want us to just sit here and watch? That's Anna Cordova. She's talking with her son, Nolan, who does not want her to be talking with someone else right now. He munches on a snack, grumpily, while we talk. Nolan is almost four. He was born in April 2020, right after the pandemic began. Cordova says it was an isolating way to grow up. All of their family is back in the Chicago area, so they weren't really seeing anybody else. Nolan is in preschool now. Next year, he'll be moving to transitional kindergarten. And the move hasn't been easy, especially recess. It takes him some time to warm up. Um, sometimes he's kind of like on the outskirts observing, um, which and, makes... And, and, and I cry. Yes, you cry too. <laughs> but Cordova is hopeful. It's been getting easier for Nolan to spend more time with other kids. And recess, she says, is going to be a really important part of that. Researchers who study childhood largely agree. Recess is really important. For a lot of kids, it's their main time to play freely and without structure. Rebecca London is a professor of sociology at UC Santa Cruz. Forming connections with, with peers and adults is healing for children. And that's exactly what happens during recess, right? It's not just about the play. It's about the interaction that happens through the play. Those interactions through play are crucial. They help kids develop social skills and creativity and reduce the risk of anxiety and depression. But for decades, recess has also been under threat. London says that dates back to around the late 90s and early 2000s, when the federal government made a big push to sharpen public schools' focus on academic performance with the No Child Left Behind Act. So in return for federal dollars, we're asking states to design accountability systems. Educators were suddenly under huge pressure. They responded by ramping up the focus on academics, sending students home with more work, and extending the school year. Recess also became an easy target. The thought was more time of instruction. That's how they're going to learn better. So recess, which had been a, you know, like sort of a staple in the day, became cut shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, and in some places disappeared altogether. At least a fifth of U.S. school districts cut back on recess time, by as much as an hour every week, according to some estimates. Researchers tracked those changes in poorer schools in California, and also saw educators take away more recess from Black and Latino students than they did from white students. That could have continued, but then came the pandemic. You know, kids, kids not only didn't get the same level of education or mentorship or instruction, but they were really isolated. Josh Newman is a California state senator and the parent of a second grader. And he saw how those years affected kids firsthand. It, it shed light on the impact on 
students uh, of the isolation that came from closing schools uh, and this kind of overhang of, of, you know, a whole bunch of mental health and kind of other issues that we have to work our way through. For Newman, that was the turning point. Last year, he spearheaded the passage of a new law, SB 291. It requires all public schools to give elementary school students 30 minutes of recess every day, separate from lunch and P.E. And it makes it illegal for teachers to take that time away as punishment. Here in San Diego, schools are still figuring out what those changes will mean for the next school year. KPBS reached out to four local districts, but none of them would give interviews on how they plan to make sure that schools are following the law. Still, London says this is huge for California. The pandemic, I think, is leading people to realize how important this social connection is. And, you know, since the pandemic started, we've seen, I don't know, maybe four or five, six new states, new states pass legislation. Ana Cordova is optimistic. She agrees that the law is a good thing. Like they're just kids, you know, so they have all their lives to <laughs> not have recess. The new recess law is set to take effect in the fall. Corey Suzuki, KPBS News. Coming up, how you can help with overcrowding at local animal shelters. We'll have that story and more just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Diego area animal shelters are above capacity, and that means you may be in luck if you're considering adding a new member to your family. Midday Edition host Jade Heidman spoke with Nina Thompson of the San Diego Humane Society about what to know if you're planning on adopting a dog. For the animal shelters, what's the situation with capacity today? We are still over capacity, if you can believe it, in January of 2024, and we have been for about a year and a half. We've never seen anything like this at San Diego Humane Society, where it's just been constant of being over capacity, especially with dogs and especially with large dogs. And are you seeing some types of animals or dog breeds more than others? I mean, you mentioned the bigger dogs. Yeah, we do have a few breeds that are always common for us. Uh, the terrier mixes, the American Pitbull terrier mixes, but also a lot of chihuahuas and huskies. 
So we took in about 32,000 companion animals in 2023. And uh, out of those, we adopted out about 21,000 uh, animals. So we're definitely busy when it comes to companion animals. Why are chihuahuas and huskies more likely to end up in, in the shelter? You know, that's a good question. It's, it's hard to say with chihuahuas, probably because they're a very common breed in our area. But for huskies, for example, they are a large breed. They're a high activity breed as well. Um, you need to have lots of enrichment and exercise to keep a husky healthy and happy. And if you're moving and you're possibly forced into an apartment because of the economy, it may be tough to bring a husky, possibly because of breed restrictions or other uh, restrictions such as weight. So the bigger dogs are definitely more difficult for families to move with, especially if they're renting. Mm. What's behind the increase shelters have seen in the past year or so? We can speculate that there's a few different reasons uh, with the economy and inflation. It's definitely more expensive to own a pet. So we do think that a lot of people have been possibly forced to move, can't bring their pets, or simply can't afford to keep their pets. At San Diego Humane Society, we have a lot of support services that we want people to know about so that they don't have to give up their pets if they're faced with a financial hardship. We hand out free pet food six times a week from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday, we hand out free pet food. Um, we also have other resources such as low-cost veterinary services, vaccines, that sort of thing. And we also have resources if you've found yourself with behavior issues where you need guidance with from our behavior team. Those are either free or low cost and we can work with you so that you can keep your animal. But another reason why we might be seeing so many pets in our shelters is that there was a pause in spanier surgeries during the pandemic and we might be seeing the effects of that now. And also a lot of people did adopt during the pandemic so they already have a pet in their home. Mm. So what if a family absolutely needs to rehome their pet? What's the best way to do that? The best way to rehome your pet is to do it yourself. We have a lot of resources that can guide you on how to do that at sdhumane.org slash rehome. Basically, those are step-by-step -step instructions of how to post about your animal on special rehoming websites. And because you know your animal best, you know what type of home they would thrive in, what type of activity level they would do well in, their needs, um, you are the best person to find them their next home. The shelter environment is very stressful for an animal, so they may not always show their true colors and who they are at a shelter. They may be very shy, or if it's a dog, they may be barking a lot. And out of the shelter, they may not be like that at all. So if you have to give up your pet, we highly encourage you to use our rehoming resources so that you can find your pet's next family. And again, how many animals does the Humane Society have ready to adopt? So right now, as of today, we have 469 pets who are waiting for homes. That's dogs, cats, rabbits, small pets. We have a few pigs at our Escondido campus. We have so many deserving pets. We also have a lot of pets right now that we typically don't see in the shelter, like puppies. We have a lot of puppies, a lot of breed dogs that typically 
you may not associate with a shelter like a French bulldog or other attractive breeds have really been coming through the shelter. So we really do encourage the people who are looking to add a family member to look to one of our shelters in San Diego County to adopt or the rescues because there's so many animals right now who deserve and need a second home. That was Nina Thompson, Director of Public Relations at the San Diego Humane Society, speaking with Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. The Humane Society is in need of donations to help flood victims care for their pets. They're asking for dog food, leashes, collars, and slip leads. The shelter also needs foster pet parents. Visit sthumane.org for more information. The Humane Society is operating a temporary shelter for pets at Lincoln High School with the Red Cross. Currently, there are 17 pets there. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Tomorrow, San Diego Zoo research that could help with koala conservation efforts. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Tuesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.